0: So, I created playlists that kind of are geared towards the mood that I want to channel. So, I actually have like a list that's called Feel Fantastical.
1: Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
2: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well being, energy, and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold.
1: Hello, my name is Ellie and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Olga Kirschenbaum. Olga was introduced to us by Amber Christian from show number 138. Olga is a published author of Shmoney Guide, Making Money Choices Doesn't Need to Be So Scary, focusing on personal finance advice. Olga is a money whisperer and founder of Rags to Riches Consulting. Olga empowers individuals and creative leaders to make money choices with confidence so they can unleash life's full potential. Back to the studio.
2: Today I'm interviewing Olga Kirshenbaum of Rags to Riches Consulting. Welcome, Olga. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joe. So start by telling us who you are, what you do, and where you do it.
0: Sure. So I am a money coach. I help individuals and creative leaders and creative business owners to get comfortable with the money in their lives and their businesses so they can focus on really what matters i'm based out of new york city but
2: i work remotely with people all over the globe lovely and again you're one of my po- podcast guests who i'm sure didn't grow up saying you wanted to be a money coach <laughs> tell, us, yes. tell, us tell us the story what did you get here So I was one of
0: the few people when I was in high school, I really knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be an accountant, strange, I know. Um, (laughs) At the time I thought, I really love math and you're counting money, you're analyzing stuff. I figured there'd be tons of math in that. That is not true. But I did find it really interesting. It's a lot of puzzle solving. And when I started undergrad, I went to full on with my accounting degree. I, I mean, I found it so interesting. And then I spent about 10 years working corporate. And um, I worked at a public firm for a couple of years. And I just, I, I, I loved it. But at the same time, I wasn't fulfilled. And um, February 2018, I was let go from my last full-time job. And it was also my first time being fired. So it was an experience in itself. And I knew that part of the reason why this happened was because I kept running away from jobs that I knew I didn't want something there, but I didn't know what I wanted. And it was a pattern of maybe the last three jobs where it's just like running away from places. And I decided that this time around, I was going to really think about what I wanted to do and what I wanted out of my work life. And... um it took me a while to get here. At first, you won't believe I started off thinking I would start a flower shop. Um, But then I did some research and realized that I was just not in a position to do it the right way at the time. So I was like, what can I do that I have the skills to do right now and maybe get to the point where I will have that flower shop, I don't know, five, 10 years down the line. And A lot of my friends and family knew that I was kind of on this soul-searching journey. And they kept saying, you know, Olga, you're always giving money advice. People would pay for that. And at first, I said to myself, oh, please, who would pay for it? Um, But then I realized that I was also taking for granted that I was doing this kind of since I was in high school. Um, I remember one of my friends that I graduated from high school Uh, she came up to me and said, hey, can we have a chat about budgeting? How do you uh, spend money throughout the year? Um, Basically, she had a job that was going to be full-time in the summer, part-time during the school year. And she wanted to make sure she didn't have to worry about picking up extra shifts and still have, you know, money to do things that she could enjoy outside of just worrying about the day-to-day stuff. So I gave her some tips and we talked about her goals. And five years later, she asks me if we could have another chat. I said, sure, why not? And she says, you know, I used this advice that you gave me. It was great. I actually ended up saving the entirety of my student loans. And what do I do? Do I pay it off the day after I graduate? Or do I do a payment plan? And I said to her, are you, you know, how many of our friends would love to say that they paid off their student loans the day after they graduated? Go for it. You're going to start your new life fresh. And when I started realizing I've been doing this kind of help for more than 10 years, more than I was an accountant, I kind of decided
2: to give it a go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So so are you still going to go back to the flowers, do you think? I actually do think
0: I am still putting it out into the universe that that is a thing that I want. Um, I actually consider myself a plant mama. I have easily 20 plants in my house. Uh, People come to me for plant advice also. Um, And I recently met someone who actually, her family owns a flower shop. So it keeps coming up in my life. So I think it's going to happen down the road some sometime in the future.
2: <laughs> so tell us a bit more about the types of people that you work with and how you work with them. Sure. So I
0: like to kind of divvy it up into two groups. I work with regular people who are living paycheck to paycheck, but they know on paper they are making enough money. So Um, Right now, people are getting ready to file their taxes and they are getting their tax forms. And I get so many questions from people saying, I really make this much, where's my money going? And I really help people figure out where their priorities are and how can they make the most of their money meeting the goals that they want, but also not feeling like, you know, they're compromising everything in their life and they have to give up all the good stuff that they enjoy. So that's really on the individual side. I do one-on-one coaching and I also do a money mastermind called the Shmoney Academy. It's basically an eight-week program where um, four to five individuals sit down. It's remote we get on a call once a week and we discuss different money topics. It really helps people build that confidence. Um, And I found regardless of what the goals are for each person, the key thing that they all walk away with is confidence to know that they got this money thing. That for me is probably the most rewarding thing to see. And then I also work with um, it's a mix of entrepreneurs, sometimes it's freelancers, people who are starting their own businesses, but they're really creative. So a lot of artists, a lot of people who have told themselves money is not my language and numbers are not my thing. The reality is if you don't understand your, the money side of business, especially your business, It's going to impact you down the road. I have seen too many people start a business, put the money side of things on the back burner. And then 10 years later, it's not just their business falling apart. It's their family relationships. It's their um, relationships with their significant others. So I really help them figure out what's important because there's so many things and people give so much advice out there. How do you know what pertains to you? So it kind of helped them figure out what is important for you and your business and how do you take care of that side of the business without it making you feel like you have to become an accountant and without it taking up too much time.
2: Mm. Are there sort of common money sort of issues with people let's think sort of individuals aside from business to begin with, are are there, you know, are there, I don't know, top three reasons that people don't hang on to their money in your experience?
0: Yes. So I think the first thing really boils down to having a budget in America, only 40% of people actually use a budget. And only 40% of people actually have $1,000 in their savings to cover an emergency. And I don't think, you know, correlation means causation, but I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, A lot of people don't use a budget because they feel like, living on a budget means that you have to take away from your existing lifestyle that you have to compromise on things that you love and that you have to live lesser uh, than what you already do and it's a huge misconception so i think these two beliefs one fuels the other and people are kind of scared to look at that side of things because it's kind of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, this is where I'm at. And that may mean facing some poor choices you've made in the past. And I totally get that. But the reality is that that picture allows you to see where you're going. So what I like to tell my clients is, think of your budget as your compass and your money goals as your map. You're Your goals are exactly where you wanna be in the next, I don't know, it could be six months, a year, five years. And the budget just tells you where you are today. And knowing where you are today, you can pivot and figure out what you need to focus on to get you to those goals. And the third thing I would say, it's something a lot of us grow up with. And I call it money talk stigma. It's this idea that talking about money is rude. It's impolite. We shouldn't talk about it with anyone. I've talked to people who are, you know, much older. They have teenage kids themselves by this point, and they realize that they've never had a money conversation with their parents all their lives. And I believe that not having money conversations actually leaves us without the tools not just to have those conversations when we have an issue or a matter we want to learn more about it also leaves us without the tools to look for solutions so i'd say those are the top three common trends that i'm seeing right now
2: it's really interesting and it's um it's it's so true that that people don't talk about money i i have two really close friends and we do talk about money and it certainly helped me over the sort of last five or six years that that I've known them both to be open which is not something as you say that most people are in sort of financial terms so I completely get that Talk about the the sort of um you said that that budgeting there's a myth that it sort of restrains you but sort of that that was my word for it not yours but <laughs> that is sort of what it's supposed to do isn't it but but are you saying that people sort of overemphasize that and then that's why they don't do it and actually if they do it they'd see it was it had a different impact what how how would you sort of further develop that absolutely so um we
0: when we start something new, we are always it, it, it's scary you know, especially if you've never used a budget before. And I have noticed that we are really good at telling really scary stories to ourselves, especially in the beginning. And a lot of us don't like change. So we tell ourselves, you know, if I start budgeting, that means it's almost like how people say adulting, you know, It's hard and I don't want to do it, but it's kind of like a negative story we're telling ourselves that you have to take away. The reality is, yes, the first couple of months may be a little bit uncomfortable because you're finding your sweet spot. You will have to make some changes, but one thing, it doesn't all have to be in one go. So for example, you can say, you know, this month, I'm just going to put it together and see where I'm at. And that doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to rebuild your entire spending habits. If anything, I'd say, don't do that. That sets you up for failure. Drastic changes tend to never stick. It's almost like putting yourself on a money diet. If you have ever been on a diet you know, those 30 days, 28 day diets, typically they're really hardcore. They make you, um, you have to be really strict with yourself. And most people who go through this experience, they will probably towards the end dream about that thing that they love eating so much that it doesn't really teach them the good habits. So, When people do the same thing with a budget, they just implement everything first day. It kind of doesn't teach them anything about the good habits that they need to sustain that budget. So it takes some time in the beginning to figure out, you know, maybe for the first month you want to work on your savings. Do you have any room to add any savings? What about your costs? Maybe there are some ways to cook costs. Um, when I talk to my individual clients, we talk a lot about um, ways that people sometimes take for granted that you can lower your bills. For example, if you've been with a cell phone carrier for five years, I am pretty sure you can call them up and say like, hey, is there anything available? Maybe there's a promotion going on for loyal customers. There's always something going on. I realized this trend amongst my friends who would go um, to a store because their cell phone was just this broken. And it was partly because they haven't been to the store in so long. They're like, oh, my phone works. And then eventually they go and they're like, you've been a customer for so long. Here's a free phone or here's money back. Um, Your monthly bill is going to be less. And the other thing I also talk to my clients about is mindful spending. See, a budget actually allows you to make mindful spending choices. Now, we had a uh, a participant in the Shmoney Academy. Um, Her thing was things she buys for beauty, so skin creams, perfumes, things like that. It makes her feel good. And she knew that it's also kind of part of her spending issue if, for lack of a better word, we'll call it an issue for now. And once she built that budget, she realized, you know, first off, it actually made her see she was better off than she was. So it wasn't so scary once she put it together and she's like, I'm actually better off and I can get on track with my goals way sooner than I can. Three weeks into the program, once we got to the mindful spending portion, she actually came in with an example that she was able to use before we even had our call. She went to a store. She saw one of those creams that she loves so much, $80, and she said to herself, what am I doing? I have an entire drawer that is full of creams. I don't need this one right now. And she walked out of the store and the most important thing for me was, and I asked her, did you feel like you were taking away from yourself? And she said, no, I felt very good about my choice. And that's really, I think that's where the misconception lies. She didn't buy that thing that makes her happy, but it's also because her priorities have shifted now. And that's where the true power of a budget is. It really shows you the full picture of what's happening. And then when you do make that mindful spending choice that is good for your wallet, it doesn't actually feel that bad.
2: It me a bit of the whole thing around productivity and, and planning your time because prioritizing is a big part of budgeting, from what you've just said, and it is for your time as well isn't it that um you know we've we've all got limited amounts of money limited amounts of time and it's about choosing what's most important to us to either spend our money or our time on rather than just letting it all sort of happen around us and sort of squandering it I guess
0: absolutely I actually love that comparison you know I am a huge organizer Um, with my schedule Uh, I have my own podcast so there's a lot of work that goes into that and if you're not organized it's going to be very difficult Um, it's the same thing with a budget really Um, and it's funny because I think another common trend there between the two is what works for me may not work for you Um, we'll have different priorities we'll have different projects that we're working on But the key is to be organized and also to know what your priorities are. For example, um, when it comes to uh, the money side of business for my business, I know what my top three priorities are for the first six months of the year. Knowing that those are my priorities, it makes sure that I know where my attention is going. And if it's not in line with that, I know that I, I have ways to check myself and that's mm. kind of the same thing with a budget. You know, you create a budget for a month and I tell people it's good to check in with your budget halfway through that way, you know where you're going. So it's like that checkpoint to see how you're doing. And it's not a lot of people have a budget and then they won't check in with it until the month is over. And it's like, Oh, that was horrible like well if you checked in halfway through you would see oh maybe i have been spending too much on entertainment let me pivot or maybe i've been eating out more than i would like let me pivot and maybe cook more for the rest of the month um so i i really love that comparison between organizing um and budgeting it's a very good point mm
2: i've also been reflecting as you've been talking about when when you're out and about with with friends and perhaps it's about going for a drink or going for a meal or whatever um there's quite a lot of peer pressure to spend that money if we use those examples and you know as in they don't you know make you spend the money but if it's like oh you know do you fancy this you sort of go yes and to say i can't afford it is quite negative and, and you can see why people wouldn't do that. But actually to say, I haven't budgeted for that. So I can't, or I'm not going to, is actually quite a different, uh, response. Isn't it? Absolutely. I
0: also love that you brought this up because, you know, because so many of us grew up with money talk stigma, um, In my eyes, there's nothing wrong to say, you know, that's out of my budget right now. But there is a lot of the societal shame around, oh, well, you don't have money. Um, But if you were to say that's not a priority for me right now in different language, but it's kind of the same thing with organizing your time, for example. Um, I'm sure you get approached with a lot of opportunities that you know, just don't fit what you're working on right now. And the answer really is, that's not a priority for me. And if you figure out a way to kind of say the same thing in a polite way to your friends, I think that if they're really your friends, you wouldn't feel that peer pressure. So I actually had someone write into my Dear Olga column saying, you know, sometimes I feel a lot of peer pressure to go out to lunch with my coworkers because no one really eats inside at the office and when it's funny because I post these online so other people can learn a lot of the people in the comments were saying like oh don't let people pressure you and it's so easy to say that but We also don't like to be singled out. We like to be part of a group that's part of the human experience. But the reality is, first of all, anyone who's your friend will support you no matter what. My honest take is, if someone's really pressuring you that much, maybe you should reassess that relationship because anyone that I have in my life, for example, they understand what my priorities are and they respect that kind of like respecting boundaries. Um, but I would say pers- my personal way dealing with that when it comes to budgeting, yeah. I tend to be aggressive when I plan for things. So I will overestimate because we have a tendency. So I think you'll appreciate this. Just like with time, we underestimate how much money things will take so we have a tendency of saying like oh yeah that's going to take an hour but it's going to take way longer same thing with money so knowing that we have this tendency of saying like oh that's going to be a hundred dollars I'll always add a little bit of padding so that if something like this does come up I have a little bit more wiggle room mm-hmm.
2: yeah The other thing that that I I was thinking, because I've just been doing a bit of reorganizing of um, subscriptions and the like in my business is that we, we can sort of have two things going on that we we've sort of, we're aware that we're perhaps sort of juggling money for whatever reasons, but we're not aware that we're actually spending money that we needn't be spending because we sort of get locked into things and then never go back and review them. For example, I use Zoom to uh, record these calls now, I was using GoToMeeting, but I also had a Zoom account, account for other reasons. And it just dawned on me that actually, I just needed one account, which was <laughs> right. <made> one cost, <laughs> rather than the two. And I, you know, I told myself for months that the quality of sound on GoToMeeting was, was really good, and I didn't want to change it and all that sort of thing. And actually, that really was a bit of a Excuse for not sorting it out, and to sort it out, I had to switch, you know, my guests onto here that had already booked onto GoToMeeting. I had to change my automated process, and you know, all that sort of stuff. And when I had time to do it, I actually did it, as as you know, because I sent you a, a new link for today. Um, right. Actually, I cancelled my GoToMeeting account this week, which is thirty pounds a month, nearly. Um, that you know is has gone away now. But it, it took concerted time and effort to get to the stage where I could do that and I, I think sometimes we we just sort of feel powerless because we don't feel like we can actually approach it and it's the, again it's the same with productivity and time management you know jobs seem too big and complicated so we don't deal with them and we end up taking the long route round because that's the only way to do it but actually there's a much slicker route but to do that we've got to spend you know half a day getting it sorted sort of thing. So a lot of this comes back to a, 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 a concept I talk about a lot on the podcast, which is about being intentional, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think that it's all about intention, to be honest. Mm. Um, it's, and it's one of those things, I think when you're organizing and doing productivity, um, you kind of have to check in with yourself, especially, um, for you, I'm sure every couple of months, things change and you kind of need to adjust and make sure that you're focusing on the right things. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing with budgets. Um, It's really important to check in with yourself. I like to say every quarter, but some people don't have that many things going on. So they're okay with doing it every six months or so. But These subscriptions that you mentioned are super sneaky. (laughs) They are small enough that you don't notice them. But when you have three or four adding up every month that you don't use, they really begin to add up. So I actually tell um, people I work with kind of the same thing that I do with my schedule. I tell them, you know, check in with your statement once every three months or so and see maybe there's things that have been going on there that you don't notice. Maybe you don't use Spotify, but you're still being charged the $9.99 for it. Maybe it's that Hulu subscription. Maybe you have overlapping tools like Zoom or GoToMeetings, Um, but I... I know how daunting it can be to kind of go through that process and I kind of mentioned this, you know, when, especially if you haven't used a budget before and you start and now you need to figure out your steps, I call it a transition period because if you started to overhaul everything today, you may not even finish your budget today. Because that's how overwhelming it's going to be. There's going to be so many moving parts, so many moving pieces that probably are going to quit. I would. So I would say focus on one thing. So if, for example, you know you do have subscriptions out there, take some time this month just to focus on subscriptions. Instead of focusing on all of your expenses, think about, Maybe just subscriptions. The next month, maybe you can focus on doing just the um, utilities and companies you've worked with for a prolonged period of time. See if there's anything that you can do about lowering your rates. The added benefit of contacting vendors you've worked with already about uh, lowering your rates is it also helps you work on your negotiating skills and just going out there and asking people for stuff for you um i read a study from i think the 80s this guy was a psychologist or in a college his mom came home they lived in new york city she came home one day and said you know people are so rude on the train I am standing there the whole way, and not one person offered me a seat. And he says to his mom, well, did you ask anybody? And she said, no, but they should know better. And it's just typical New Yorkers. They're so rude. So he uh, was teaching a, a course, and he basically had his students go do the study of going on the train and asking people for a seat. and the surprising uh, outcome of this study was, it wasn't whether New Yorkers are rude or not, whether people give up their seat, it's how asking for that seat impacted the people asking. And it's really eye-opening on how difficult it is for us to ask for things. So people got interviewed who were part of this study Uh, I think 20, 25 years after it took place. And some of them say, I, anytime I think about that experience, I, I start sweating, I get anxious. And it's just that scary to ask people for things for us. So um, I would just say, go out there and practice on your vendors.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good piece of advice. So, You've talked about being uh, organized yourself in terms of your time, so moving on from the money. Um, tell us a bit more about how you do that and perhaps what um, tools and apps you might use.
0: Absolutely. I am always on a search for good tools. I, um, I have my calendar blocked, So, um, and I, I actually don't remember where I picked up this productivity tip but since I've been using it, I found a lot of people do it as well. So on Mondays and Fridays, my calendar isn't open for bookings. I mean, I will sometimes have a client session and I do have calls on Mondays and Fridays, but it's really kind of my admin time. So I use it in the, on Mondays. It's to like ramp up for the week. On Fridays, it's to kind of wind down and make sure that I know what's going on next week and kind of plan ahead. I make sure that I make time for my podcast. I have padding between schedules um, so that, you know, I never have on my calendar that I have like back-to-back calls. Um, I just found that sets you up for running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, Another tool that I've been using a lot is a tool called Bella. It is basically a to-do list app that feeds into your Gmail calendar. Um, I'm not sure if they do integration with any other calendars, but I feel like they should. Um, But... I'm a huge to do list person. I will write all the things that I need to do. That's how I break down a lot of the projects that I work on. I kind of create um, sort of milestones that need to be met to make sure this gets accomplished. And, you know, that satisfying feeling of crossing it off or checking it off, Bella really replicates that well. And because it feeds into your into my calendar, I'm able to go and take notes. So let's say uh, this call was a session um, or maybe we're talking about working together. I'm able to go take notes in the tool and then if at any point I'm saying something like, oh, I'll get back to you on this or I'll send you a link too, I can make those notes and automatically create them as to-do list tasks,
1: right?
0: And then schedule them for when they get done. Um, so I would say Bella has been a lifesaver. It's the one of the best tools I've ever I've ever invested in. And then I also found one more tool just the other day from a podcast guest. It's called Streak. It's a CRM tool that also fits into uh, Gmail and it has allowed me to really streamline my pipeline. I don't have to, um, for example, with podcast guests, I'm able to track where I'm at with everybody. Once I have them either confirm or we already record, I'm able to move them down and prioritize on what's really important. So I would say that's how I've been staying productive the last six months.
2: Lovely. And uh, Bella, if I'm not mistaken, was or um, well, is Amber Christian's platform, who was on show number 138. And yes. um, that's how you came to be here as well. I think she recommended you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If people want to know, more about um, Bella, they can go to powertolivemore.com forward slash 138 and they'll be able to hear more about it from Amber herself. So, um, brilliant. Um, so how you keep yourself fit and energized and, and well to run your business? You sound really organized and really structured. Do you do the same in terms of your wellness? I do. Um <laughs> uh... not
0: surprised. I actually have a two hour morning routine and it, you know, again, it's one of those things I didn't just wake up one day and I was like, I'm going to do two hours every morning for myself. Um, uh, It was an evolving work in progress for, I would say a good five to six months. And it started with me getting into uh, daily meditation, really, I knew that I wanted to meditate more consistently because I've seen the benefits and well felt them myself. And a lot of the very successful entrepreneurs that I admire always talk about how much benefits they've gotten from meditating. So I incorporated that and I really started to feel different in the sense where I don't think it was so much like there are benefits of meditation, of course, but when it came to one focusing on me first thing in the day, being able to say like, you know, maybe today was a bad day. Didn't go as planned, but at least I got this thing checked off really helped set the right tone for, for the day. And even if it was, frustrating or just didn't go my way or just one of those days where it's almost like every single thing goes wrong, um, I'm still able to kind of feel good about it. So since I started this, now it's evolved into, I just spend two hours in the mornings. I meditate, I do a little bit of yoga, I journal, and I read. Um, reading ended up being one of those things that um, I was constantly trying to make time for it during my workday. I was like, you know what? Let me put like half hour break between busy moments in my day. So it's like kind of coming back to me and I just always skip it. So I was like, you know what? Let's put a part of your morning routine and I bet it will get done. And guess what? It does. (laughs) Sure enough. Uh,
2: Yes, Yeah it's um it's interesting, uh I keep thinking i I love reading, and that's one of my sort of live more things um but I tend to read before I go to sleep, and I don't want to read business books before I go to sleep, I want to read you know novels, and I've been trying to think about shifting things around on that basis i e that I will read business books before I go to sleep so that i can because i you know i'll just read i will read the novels anyway because i'll just pick the book up and do it whereas actually creating a routine where i do the business reading that i want to do but i don't sort of naturally do the same way as i do the fiction um is is one of my focuses at the moment i did contemplate using my treadmill to read my fiction books on the basis that i really want to do that so having connected the two things together would make it a lot easier to to sort of find the time to do that but i'm you know not at home i'm actually doing proper walking now and i can't read my book while i'm doing that because i'd probably trip over all right i do have a tool that
0: you may find useful it's called blinkist it's um yes. i kind of use it to um it's basically uh scribed notes of non-fiction books that mm-hmm. you can read or listen to the audio, I kind of use it, um, especially since I started coaching and um, kind of networking, I get a lot of recommendations for books. And there I find it nothing more frustrating getting this book recommendation, being so excited for it and it ends up being awful or just like not for me. So, yeah. I use Blinkist to kind of filter books that I want to read. So I'll listen to all the Blinks and if it's really insightful, I will go and read the full book. But I'll even sometimes get um, kind of something will stick with me and I'll carry it around and it'll still impact my life. And of course it's not the same thing as reading a book, but it, I feel like it helped me step up my learning game.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, that's a really good tip. Any more tips for learning and improving? I would say
0: my biggest tip would be anything that you hear and something part of you starts judging it I'd say Mm -hmm. work on taking that away part of your mindset. And once you release those limitations, your learning will really step up to a new level. Um, It's almost like I've come to a point where I'm like, I know what I know, but I don't know anything that I don't know. So, if I just am constantly rooted in what I do know, I'm probably just going to cap my learning. So I tend to listen to a lot of people like that. I don't necessarily agree with. I may not um, see eye to eye on every point, but I still try to listen to their reasoning and how they got there. Because sometimes I find that you still learn from people that you don't agree with, but having that different point of view gets you and your mind going in a different direction that you may not even have expected. For example, I, before I started doing a lot of the mindset work that I do with money, I would just help people, you know, just do the budgets, figure out what they need to do. And I got on a call with someone who was a finance person and I was Already making judgments before we got on this call. I was like, this is probably going to be boring. It's a finance guy um, Whatever I typically get on a call with a finance person They try to upsell me to try and like trap my clients in situations And it's just never pleasant So I was not looking forward to this call and as we are talking it was a 30-minute intro call I'm listening to his points of view and I even told him halfway through the conversation, I said, you are one of the most open-minded finance people that I've ever met. And he ended up telling me about a lot of this energy, mind, money, mindset work that I never even knew about. And It has literally transformed my work. It's transformed how I work with my clients and it actually transformed me. It helped me help myself and now I'm able to help my clients in the same way. But had I just been like, oh, another finance person, I'm not going to get on that call. Who knows where I would be today? And that's
2: six months ago. (laughs) yeah that's such a great example as you say of sort of keeping that open-mindedness um to other points of view and just to opportunities and people and and seeing you know what what happens as a result lovely thank you for that so last couple of questions firstly what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong and and it's not been a great day how do you deal with that
0: i listen to a lot of music um so i picked up a A tip from someone who um, said, you know, whenever you have some sort of presentation or something you're nervous about, create a Get Pumped playlist. Don't make it too long. Five songs, maybe 20 minutes. And I was doing this before I would go to networking events, before I had to be really on for something. And I noticed the benefit of that. So I created playlists that kind of are geared towards the mood that I want to channel. So I actually Mm -hmm. have like a list that's called Feel Fantastical and I go to it. I share it with my clients, with my friends, just because, you know, sometimes we can't help it. No matter what kind of mindset you're in, you could be super positive. And, you know, all about abundance in your life, but we're still human and things still happen. And if you really want to boost that mood up, I go to that playlist.
2: Mm, I love that. reminds me years ago, I went to a a job interview and I remember playing a particular, at the time it wasn't a playlist, it was a a tape. (laughs) Yeah, of, um, of uh, all the the songs that I'd put together that gave me confidence, and I just sang all the way to my interview, so that I have, had had uh, loads of confidence during the interview. So uh, yeah, I, I I I don't really do that as much now. Thinking about it, if I looked on my playlists, they don't they're not about necessarily sort of motivating in the moment sort of thing. So thanks for that tip. I think I will go and make myself a playlist later. I love that. <laughs> those days where you get to live more and that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what what do those days look like for you so
0: that's a funny question um funny in the timing sense because I have been reworking my schedule the last couple of of weeks just to try to figure out again like what are my priorities, how I want to focus, how I want to show up for the next six months. And one of those things is incorporating a fun day. I have been reading a lot about companies that will do the 80 20 rule where 80% of the time you're working on all your, you know, day-to-day stuff. And then 20% will be spent on something that you find exciting and you know, just for fun or maybe it's to send thank you notes. Um, So I actually set a day. One of those days is now going to be Friday. It's kind of my day to focus on whatever I want, like something that I'm developing maybe for my business, maybe for maybe my other hobbies, but, it's kind of focused on that instead of just like the day-to-day stuff that needs to get done.
2: Mm. So it's Friday tomorrow. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah. So I'm actually working on, so I have what I like to call novelty syndrome and in if you're working for yourself, it can be quite dangerous. Basically, I want to create all the new services and all the new things for my clients. But you know, you have to pace yourself. And at first I told myself, I wasn't going to create anything new. But this one thing has been calling me for the last two weeks. And I feel like it's my duty to go through with it. So that's kind of actually why I came up with this strategy because I can't stop thinking about it. I think that it's going to be a great thing for my clients and anyone who wants to build that confidence with money in their life or their business. Um, so I, I, ho- I think you can hear how excited I am just talking about yeah. it. So yeah. I was like, you know, I have to make time for it. And I have been thinking about incorporating a fun day into my schedule anyway so I was like why not let's give this a go for a couple of weeks
2: lovely excellent well have an amazing day tomorrow and um let everyone know how they can get in contact with you and find out more about what you do absolutely so
0: the two best places to find me is my website which is rags to riches and I am also all over LinkedIn. That is probably right now my go-to social platform.
2: Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your interview today, Olga. It's been great talking to you. Yes. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. I'm off to check out some of
1: my subscriptions now. <laughs> yes. Stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Join Power To Live More Calm Membership today and make an investment in your future. The Power To Live More Calm Membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists and planners to keep you motivated organized and productive to learn more about the power to live more calm membership program and apply visit powertolivemore.com get calm use your power to live more